The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the start of Week 11 edition of the Roto World Football Podcast. Um, Podcast? Podcast. Uh, As always, I should start off by thanking everyone who has rated and reviewed and subscribed on iTunes or Stitcher, whatever platform you use. It helps us out tremendously. It's really what connects us to a new audience, um, and it's the best thing you can do to help us out. And so if you have done that, thank you. And if you haven't, it takes 15 seconds. I'll wait. Just kidding. Uh, Okay. Up first, as always, is Ray Summerlin. His waiver-wired piece is up on Roto-World right now. Uh, We are recording this on a Monday evening, so we won't really include any of the haps, the happenings from Monday night. So keep that in mind with this discussion. But Ray, what's up, my man? How was your football weekend? Not bad. You have me thinking about the podcast now, which I'm thinking would be a, exclusively about Thai food. And oh, I, uh, oh, okay. I, I, I was, I was thinking like apartments. Like, Ooh, see, now that's good too. Right. That, so you could be apartments that are Thai food adjacent. Wow. That could be, that'd be, that'd be a very niche podcast, I right. think. Um, all right, Ray. We should start off with the biggest news of the weekend and obviously mold it with. Uh, obviously the waiver wire pickups and that's Alshon Jeffries four game suspension. Um, I don't know exactly what the news is. I think you have been on news today. So Ray, why don't you fill us in with everything? And you know, it's funny. It actually happened after I left the news. Uh, but the news is that Alshon Jeffries facing a four game suspension for violating the PED policy. From what I can tell right now, he's going to start serving that as suspension, Immediately, you know, normal. Sometimes with these things, like with what's happening with Kenny Vaccaro, mm-hmm. there are there are appeals. Maybe the appeals have already been heard, and he's been playing through them. We're just getting the news now. Lane Johnson sure. from earlier in the year was another example of that. Exactly. So I, I don't. I'm not sure for sure on it when we're recording that that's going to happen. But it looks like he is going to be out for week 11, week 12, week 13, and week 14, which is obviously less than ideal for people that have him in fantasy, especially people that have playoff aspirations although to be fair he's been so bad that perhaps your team doesn't have playoff aspirations if you use the second round pick on him the biggest beneficiary of this obviously is Cameron Meredith who has Mm -hmm. been fantasy viable in the past he kind of saved his day with a Hail Mary touchdown last week against the Bucks that was the only real offense of the day for the Bears (laughs) aside from Jordan Howard but he has been playing more than 80 percent of the snaps 
He's kind of the best outside receiver replacement they have on the roster right now. He has seen big target totals in the past and this season and been successful with them. But the problem is, what's the upside? The Bears have scored more than 17 points twice this season. They've yet to surpass 23 in a game. In a, They've yet to surpass 23 in a game. It's crazy. They have 13 total offensive touchdowns. It's just the upside's not there. Meredith's going to get the volume, but you know, kind of what does it matter at this point is kind of where I am with this situation. Same goes for Zach Miller, who's obviously owned in a bunch of leagues. He's going to get more targets. He's fine. Eddie Royal, I guess. Right. We'll talk a little bit in deep cuts about, about another name maybe to, maybe to take a look at. But overall, I'm just kind of meh about this whole situation. I'm, I'm already nervous you're going to bring up a name that I think you're going to bring up. Oh, you know exactly who I'm bringing and up. And this guy, people have tried to make a guy for like three years now. Is, am, am I on the right track here? You are exactly on the right track. I cannot wait for that moment. Yeah, and, and even Jordan Howard, who's kind of been the most consistent uh, member of that offense, suffered some type of ailment, an ankle injury, an Achilles injury or something, even though he's kind of denied it. But uh, he might not be 100% moving forward either. So great times in Chicago. Uh, <laughs> it's baseball season still up there, right? Um, let's move on to some other wide receivers. Uh, obviously, the Panthers face the New Orleans Saints this weekend. And, well, not this weekend, on Thursday, I should say. And every single weekend, we want to attack the Saints, especially when they're on the road. And so who out of the Panthers wide receivers, because I've seen guys like Devin Funches out there, Ted Ginn out there. I won't go on and on because there aren't really other names. Um, Philly Brown, if hey, you want. But Corey Brown. Now, Corey Philly Brown. Come on now. Give him his due. He, <laughs> we, he, he was the number two fantasy wide receiver in PPR okay. until very, very recently this in Carolina. True. This is true. So who of those, I mean, we had a whole offseason discussion about Devin Funches and Kelvin Benjamin and Ted Ginn and all that stuff. But how, how would you rank those guys um, in terms of waiver pickups this week? Well, Benjamin's already owned. Uh, well, and right. he, he obviously number one. I think Ted Ginn is the only other guy that you, you want to look at. He has not had his explosion yet. But what you what's really interesting about him is if you look at what he's been doing, he has been very involved in the offense the last four games. He has five catches in four consecutive games. He's averaging just over seven targets during that stretch. He's kind of seen his target, I mean, excuse me, his snap total go up. He even saw his first two red zone targets of the season in the last two weeks, which was something that he saw a lot of red zone targets with Benjamin out last year. That kind of usage has given him a, a pretty steady floor. He's been a five-catch, you know, 50-yard kind of guy. And in deeper leagues, that gives you a nice floor. We obviously know that the ceiling is there. We obviously know he can make the big plays. We haven't seen them this year, but we know that it's there. And going up against the Saints, I actually think that in deeper leagues, Ginn has some wide receiver three value. So if you're if you're hurting with the Falcons on by and you are the Chargers on by, my boy T. Will, you're, you're hurting with that and you need – and you need somebody, I think there are worse options out there than Ted Ginn, who has that floor and also has a ceiling to maybe maybe get you, you know, 15 points. Yeah, and I took him in late in MFL 10s, just hoping for that big play every once in a while, um, maybe 10, 11 points. And that really just hasn't happened this year. But, I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, but just from watching the games, he, he is seemingly lined up in two wide receiver sets more than Devin Funches is, even though I think Devin Funches has um, improved over the second half of the season than he did in the first, but you couldn't really do much worse than he did in the first half of the season. Um, how about another wide receiver core, Ray, that we thought we knew what was happening last week 
or heading into this week, I should this past week, uh, and that was J.J. Nelson emerging as a starting wide receiver. But it didn't take long for it to be a rotation once again and for Michael Floyd to be relevant once again. So how would you approach that wide receiver core moving forward? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Nelson, he did get the start, and he he, he looked to be on the way. and then He, he dropped it, basically. Dropped the Dropped the start. <laughs> exactly. He lost a fumble. He popped another pass into the air for an interception, and – and that was that. He ended up playing 10 fewer snaps than Michael Floyd, who easily had his best game of the season. Five catches for 101 yards. He was only, Michael Floyd, that is, was only behind Larry Fitzgerald in targets. John Brown was actually fourth on this list, and, and we don't know really what to expect from him. Is he still still dealing with you know the effects of his illness and what it did to his hamstring? I mean, this situation is really tough to judge at this point. If, if I was putting money down, I would say Larry Fitzgerald's easily the number one, and that's going to continue with Floyd as kind of the number two and Nelson as the number three. And that is, in this kind of passing attack, which has been better recently, that is going to give both of those guys value. But heading to Minnesota this week, I mean, Minnesota's been uh, not been as good recently, but it's still not a great matchup. Mm-hmm. I don't know how exactly you're trusting these guys as anything more than kind of dart throw wide receiver threes. In, in even in you know deeper leagues, just based on we don't know what the usage is going to be from week to week. Let's move on to the running back spot because it's obviously a dumpster fire each and every week, and I say that each and every week, uh, especially the Seahawks backfield. Although, I mean, C.J. Procise looked good last night on Sunday Night Football, um, but we weren't expecting him to maybe get as many touches compared to Kristen Michael as we saw, right? Procise was used in like every single way you could at the goal line and passing situations as a featured back, really everything. Um, and it's now Ray, I, th- and we talk about this each and every week, right? That, that we, we try to interpret what coaches say. And because we know sometimes they lie to us, sometimes they embellish the truth. Um, so on, so on and so forth. Right. And, and the Seahawks are, are more guilty of this than any team, but it seems like they really are down on Kristen Michael, right? All the comments and criticisms they have were the truth. And now Procise is in the fold, but then soon, Ray, we have Thomas Rawls as well. So how do you um, focus on Rawls, Procise, and Michael in these next few weeks? And soon is actually this week. Yep. Um, he is, Rawls is going to be back this week. At least that's, that's what everything looks like. You know, we'll, with Rawls' health, at least what we've learned in the last year, you, you kind of take everything with a grain of salt. But it certainly looks like he's going to be back this week. And I think the question moving forward is, who do you like best in this backfield? Because not no one in that trio is really going to be particularly exciting while they're all healthy. Rawls and Michael are likely going to, at, at, at least at some level, split the early down work. Although, like you said, it looks like they are down on Michael, which means I'd put, I'd put money on Rawls being more of the lead back. But this has been a pass-heavy team since C.J. Procise has come back into has come back into health. They have Russell Wilson has 148 dropbacks in the four games that Procise has been healthy since he's come back, and Seattle running backs have just 63 carries in those games. So this is a situation where this team has turned pass heavy. Procise is clearly going to be the passing down back of choice. He played 77% of the snaps on Sunday night. I don't think that that's going to continue, but I think that he could play even with both Rawls and Michael there. He could play 50% of the snaps, right. 12 to 15 touches. And if that's the case, he probably ends up being the most valuable of these three backs. Now that's, that might not be good, good enough for anything, but you know, running back three or, or flex value, 
but that's still obviously worth it. something in all leagues. Yeah. Um, and ProSize adds something to this offense that they haven't had, right? Because they frequently split Kristen Michael out wide, not frequently, but at times, right? And he would run a route out there, but not do much with it. Like ProSize is a legitimate route runner and made some plays in that area. Um, but I, I would agree with you, or if you said this, I don't know, but he'll lose that goal line work no matter what, right? When, when Thomas Rawls comes back, because we, we absolutely think Rawls takes that, don't we? Well, first of all, I'd like to say that you're being very kind calling what Michael was running routes. Right, um, right, right. But you get, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, that very, very kind. You're, you're such a mag- magnanimous person. Everybody I'm knows trying to be that. positive, Norris, over here. <laughs> and, and, until Thursday, because until- on the Rotor World Fantasy Football kickoff presented by Kia. As a Rotor World Fantasy Football kickoff presented by Kia. I get quite negative at times. So. Uh, these are these are facts, yeah. So I, I agree with you that on both counts, I think ProSize brings something, you know, something different to to that offense. I mean, that catch he made, it was it was really a great throw by by Russell Wilson. But that catch he made down the sideline, kind of in the second half, uh, was was incredible and kind of showed you, you know, what he can be as a receiver. And so I think he keeps that. But I think you're right. If they're going to have a goal line back, quote unquote, right. I imagine it would be Rawls, and so that hurts ProSize value. But again, we're just looking for volume and, and maybe even big plays. And I think the ProSize, I think ProSize has the best opportunity for both those things in the backfield. And Russell Wilson getting healthier helps the rushing game. I mean, because yes, for sure, it, and 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 he looks so much better. I know a few weeks ago, like Ray, I was commenting that people should drop him, but I mean, I'm no doctor. Like, I, I don't know when he can get healthy, you know, and he, he certainly looks healthier, right? And that, and that just adds a huge different element to this offense as well. Um, so I'm excited. I mean, that Seattle He's been offense. Great. That Seattle great offense is, is fun to watch when healthy. Absolutely fun to watch, even with that horrid offensive line. Um, how about James Starks? James Starks made his long awaited return. Um, someone who we have mentioned for weeks and weeks and weeks saying you should pick this guy up because when he comes back, this team wants a balanced offense. And it seems like the Ty Montgomery experiment is kind of over. And James Starks, although he scored that touchdown, that really padded his stats in terms of fantasy points, saw the vast majority of snaps at running back. Yeah, and I, I kind of cautioned people away from Ty Montgomery right. in a couple spaces last week because I was worried about what was going to happen when James Starks got back. And, and lo and behold, James Starks returned. And then all of a sudden, he's the number one guy again. He played 71% of the snaps. He saw... 10 touches, and this is important. Even in a game, the Packers were losing literally from the fifth play of the game. They were down a touchdown. They were down big the entire game, and he still was the lead back. And that seems, that was surprising. Even though I'd been cautioning people, it was surprising to me. I thought that Montgomery would still have a passing game role. He played just 28% of the snaps. He wasn't really that involved. He had five touches. So if Green Bay is going to use their running backs like this in a blowout, in the first game, Starks is back after mm-hmm. knee surgery, after a long layoff. What does that say they're going to? How does that say they're going to use running backs moving forward, especially in games that have less negative game script? So I think that I think you're right. I think the Montgomery experience is over. I would I would try to hold him if I can because this this offense has been as fluid as any in the league from right. week to week. So I try to hold him if I can, but I'm definitely not starting him next week. And with Starks, I mean, I believe they have a good matchup against the Redskins. I believe they're playing in Washington next week. Redskins' run defense isn't that special. I mean, Starks is right back there. He's right mm-hmm. back there as a back-end running back, too, in that flex conversation. And I think he's going to be useful the rest of the season as long as this usage continues. How about Rob Kelly? Um, someone who obviously emerged a couple weeks ago. 
um, and is now splitting time, I guess, in a three-headed backfield. I didn't watch a single second of this Redskins game, just to be honest. So I don't even know how to ask this question. I'll just ask it by saying, Ray, what do you think about Rob Kelly this week? Well, it wasn't a three-headed backfield because Matt Jones was a healthy scratch. Was he really? He was, See, yeah. that shows so, how little I knew about this game heading into it. Wow, he was a healthy scratch. Yeah, it was incredible. And I think that – I think one stat perfectly – and this is from ESPN's John Kime. It's a great stat – perfectly illustrates why Rob Kelly is and will continue to be the lead back in Washington, and that is that he has lost yards on just two of his 60 carries this season. He is dependable. He's getting what's blocked. He's always falling forward. He has zero fumbles, which Matt Jones' history, we know that that's something that Jay Gruden loves to see. And he's nothing spectacular, but he's going to do exactly what this offense needs. The passing attack is a well-oiled machine. Even without Deshaun Jackson in there, they have Jamison Crowder, they have Vernon Davis playing out of his mind, they have Jordan Reed, they have Pierre Garçon who can, you know, who's not not spectacular anymore, but can definitely do what they need him to do. And their scheme is just one of the best what they do with trying to cross people up, especially in the middle of the field. They're able to get people open in the passing game at will. All they need is a respectable running game. And that's exactly what Rob Kelly gives them. Mm -hmm. And that means that he's probably going to remain the lead back the rest of the year. He's probably going to get above 15 to 20, 15 to 20 carries every week. The schedule's brutal. But as long as he's getting that kind of workload as a lead back and a good offense, he's going to be be valuable. And I think he's going to be in that running back two range the rest of the year. Let's close out with a player, Ray, I get questions about like every single day. And I know that we all loved Deion Lewis last year, right? We all did. He was amazing. Um, But he suffered another injury, has not stepped on field this year in a game situation. A lot of people are holding out hope that maybe he can be that player down the stretch that can change their season. But, Ray, from my perspective, we have LeGarrette Blunt, who we know what he did last night when they're in scoring positions, right? He has that role firmly secure. We know James White is a pass-catching back. So when Deion Lewis does get back on the field and he did not against the Seahawks, like should there be any expectations at all for him? Not the first game he gets back, but I think that I think that what you're talking about is should he even be on a roster right. at this point? And fantasy I get this roster, question, we should say. a fantasy roster. Yes, we should specify. <laughs> yes, he should be on the Patriots roster. Should he be on a fantasy roster? And I get this question a lot about a lot of injured players. Sammy Watkins is on that list right now. For sure. Looks like he's coming back. Not going to practice this week. We don't know. And I, I think it kind of de- like I understand the theory and I subscribe to the theory that I'm not going to draft. I'm not going to draft injured players because there's a real cost to drafting an injured player. You're not just using a roster spot. You're taking away a draft position that you could otherwise use, especially if you're using it high in the draft. But with these free agents, what's the cost of keeping Dion Lewis, a guy who has demonstrated upside, whose only competition for the passing down work is a middling James White? What's the cost of keeping that guy on your roster, on the back end of your roster? Is it Dontrell Inman? Is Dontrell Inman ever really going to develop To me, it was James Starks something? a few weeks ago. Well, that's disappointing. Right. But And that's kind of leads to the point of, well, you have to... Rank them. Kind of, That's why you do your rankings. right? There right. you go. You have to gauge what you're getting. And I had Deion Lewis ahead of James Stark, so I had made that mistake as well. I didn't expect him to come in and, and do what he did here. But I think Sammy Watkins is a, is a great example of a guy who, if he is able to get back and that's a major if their schedule in the playoffs is great. If you're a team, you have a very good team. You're going into the playoffs. You know that you're going into the playoffs. Then that's a guy that I keep on the back end of my roster 
and I and I hope for the best. So, but the 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 bigger point here is that this is all situational. What is your team? What does yeah. your team need? And we go back to Alshon Jeffrey, who we're, now that he's suspended, we have to decide if we're going to drop him. If you need that roster spot to get into the playoffs, drop him because he's not coming back till week 15, and that doesn't matter if you're not in the playoffs. But if you can hold him there, if you have a reserve list, keep him. So it's all it's all situational. I don't think you can say yes. You know, you should always pick up these injured players with upside, or no, you shouldn't. I think it's based on your team and what you what you have. How good your team? Do you need that bench depth, or don't you? And I think with a guy like Deion Lewis or Sammy Watkins, both, especially Watkins, have enough upside that I'm willing to use a roster spot on them, especially in 12 and 14 team leagues. And and I should clarify, I don't want my, the listeners because I can hear them judging me from here, right? I prioritize James Starks over Deion Lewis, just to clarify here, just to be certain. All right, Ray. Let's go to deep cuts, your favorite part of the early part of this week until Thursday's Roto World Fantasy Football Kickoff presented by Kia. That's the Roto World Fantasy Football Kickoff presented by Kia. Give me, give me your deep cuts this week, Ray, because that'll help people out in weeks 14 and 15 if, if things are trending the way they have been in previous weeks. Well, I think you have to mention Wendell Smallwood because he had 13 carries, 70 yards. More, We've more seen touches this. than Darren Sproles, right? More touches than Darren Sproles. My he did play gosh. fewer snaps. I <laughs> yeah, know. It's so frustrating, man. Well, it, I mean, but it was a function of the game plan. They right. clearly set out with the game plan that they were going to keep the Atlanta offense off the field. They executed it well. That offensive line was spectacular all day. I mean, Ryan Matthews looked good, but he looked good because he was running through gaping holes. And and the question is, are they going to continue to do that? Are they going to try to do that in Seattle this week? Probably not. And we've seen this from Smallwood before. He had thir- 17 carries in week three. He had 11 total the next five games before this 13 carry. So I'm not really jumping in on Smallwood, but in, in deep leagues, it's certainly worth noting, especially since you know, Ryan Matthews is not exactly the picture of health. Uh, and another guy in that game, Taylor Gabriel, who caught a 76-yard touchdown. That was his only te- catch. But he did have five targets. He has 13 targets in the last three games on a good passing offense. They're on bye this week, but maybe in deep leagues, he's somebody that can help out down the stretch. And then, drum roll, please. Oh, yeah. The, I forgot you were going to say this name. The name that you hate, Mr. Marcus Wilson. <laughs> Who <laughs> broke his foot in many camps because that's what he does. He breaks God, things. Dude, he's not good. But what else do they have? And he has, but does he count as something? That's a fair point. He has had flashes of 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 being productive last year when he was healthy in the in the short windows (laughs) that he's been healthy in his career. He has had he has done some things. He's made some plays. I think he was fantasy viable there for about I think it was about four games last year. And if you're in a deep deep dynasty league, he's a free agent after this year. Mm -hmm. I think that there are reasons to have him on rosters in deeper leagues, especially like I said in dynasty, and as just as a name to watch when he comes off the pup list in a couple weeks. He's going to be on it at, oh. probably for another couple weeks. He, he started practicing last Monday, probably not getting off this week. Maybe he gets off next week. But once he gets off, he will certainly be a, a name to watch, I think. So on the fly here, I've got two more names for you. I'm reading right now on Twitter that J- Shane Vereen is out working in pregame and he's eligible to return to practice soon. Because mm-hmm. um, does that kind of go with your Sammy Watkins, all that kind of stuff? Because obviously we know Giants can't run the ball, but... Um, Paul Perkins is kind of filling his role right now. Yeah, I don't know if he has that kind of upside. I, you know, there's been talk that he's definitely coming back, which is surprising because based on the reports we saw at the beginning. 
I, I don't know, you know, he hasn't returned to practice yet, maybe returns next week. He's been eligible, I think, for, for a couple weeks already uh, because of when the injury happened. I don't know if he's high upside enough for me to carry him, especially yeah. considering I don't think he's coming back until, you know, week 14 or 15 at the earliest. I would be surprised. So I don't think he is, I don't think he reaches that upside threshold for me to want to use a roster spot on him. And anything on the Darius Green who did return this past weekend? He played, I think, 12 snaps. He played a lot fewer than than Jesse James. I'd like to see a lot more from him because they have the Browns this week who don't cover tight ends, except apparently Dennis Pitta. Uh, that's the only one. Uh, but I, I, I still am hesitant to say that he's going to develop fantasy value because that was the first game he had played in Pittsburgh. It's the first game he's played this year. He played 12 snaps. It's been such a slow recovery. He said himself he didn't think he was 100%. Right. So I think that I'm taking, I'm slow playing it with him. I'm not even in a good matchup. I'm not going to play him this week. If you have a roster spot in a deeper league, sure, but but stashing tight ends is not a winning strategy. I don't think you should use it on running backs and wide receivers. So I'm going to leave him on the wire in my leagues. Right. Appreciate it, man. Every single Tuesday, I guess this comes out on, and you can check out. Ray's waiver wired column on Roto World right now it has more than just rankings. It has like words and explanations to the rankings. It's it's this phenomenon that is going to sweep the nation by storm. Um, and Ray, everybody everybody only reads the first page. I, I've come to grips with that. I'm going to write the words anyway, but I've come to grips with. <laughs> Ray, uh, you are hosting the podcast on Thursday with Nick Minzio and Rich Rebar, and I have it on Friday with Evan and Pat. So you all should subscribe and listen to those because I think it's good content. And Ray, I'll talk to you on Thursday, buddy. All right. Talk to you later, man. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.